International. Valerie Lopez and I live here in Austin and I work in a profession where you have to take exams in order to be credentialed and I do a fair amount of traveling for my work and about four years ago I joined an exam committee and that exam committee writes the questions for the for these exams And my very first meeting with this committee was in 2014, in May, late May, and it was in Savannah, Georgia. Now, Savannah, Georgia, if you've never visited, is absolutely beautiful. And I actually had really nice memories of visiting with a girlfriend of mine. We had decided to make a girls weekend away and we we visited Savannah together and it was just such a blast. And I thought, oh, this is so exciting. My first committee meeting is going to be in Savannah, Georgia. It's, it's late May. The weather's going to be beautiful. And so I was really, really amped up to go visit this, uh, this town and do this committee and, um, you know, experience Savannah, Georgia. So I, uh, the, the committee meeting was a, a day and a half, and we finished around noon on a Friday afternoon on May 23rd. And... I, because it was my first time, I didn't know what I was supposed I thought the meeting ran all day. So I decided, well, I'm going to go take a walk. It's a bright, sunny, beautiful day. And so I took an eight-mile walk, and I had one of those apps that will help you. Because Savannah is very, it's obviously a very southern, uh, very historical town. And so I got an app on my phone to help me find some of the historical homes in the downtown area. So I ended up taking an eight-mile walk, which was, you know, <laughs> wearisome on my feet, but it was really it was such a great, I mean, I just, I have these vivid memories of how bright the sun was, and Savannah's very green, so there were all these beautiful lush trees, and it was just a really great experience, and I hadn't done that long of a walk, I think, ever, so I was worn out by the end of, of that, and I went back to my hotel and cleaned up, and then I went to have dinner. Now, if anybody follows me on Instagram, I, po- I post nonstop pictures on my Instagram of food, but I never remember the meals that I eat. And this is, to me, <laughs> this is one of the hallmarks of this day is that I actually remember vividly the meal that I ate. It was pecan-crusted salmon with asparagus that was kind of fried with some breading on it, and I, I treated myself because I survived that first committee meeting. I survived that eight mile walk and I thought, I'm gonna, I'm really gonna splurge and I'm gonna have some key lime pie. So it was like just the best of meals uh, to end the day on. And at that point, because I'm by myself, I'm like, you know what, I've had a long day, had that walk, amazing dinner, I'm just gonna head back to the hotel room. And 
when I travel, I always try to buy something from the town that I'm visiting for my son. And he, at the time, he was seven years old. And so I hadn't, I had done a couple of uh, gift shops, but I really didn't like anything that I was seeing. And where the hotel was is along this uh, really pretty river. So there's a really nice scenic boardwalk along the river. And I'm popping in from time to time into gift shops that I see. And I just can't find anything that I really, really like. So, you know, I've had the dinner. I've, I've poked around gift shops. And finally, I, get, I'm, I'm at, I reach my hotel. I'm like, well, I haven't found anything. I have an early morning flight the next day to head back home. I'm just going to go into the gift shop at the hotel. And so I decide to get into this gift shop, which is, you know, it's a hotel gift shop. It's not, it's not flashy. It's got kind of the, the standard trite. It's got the keychains. It's got the pens. It's got a couple T-shirts. But I ended up settling on buying my son a Dammit doll. And if you don't know what a Dammit doll is, it's these uh, soft dolls. And you're supposed, to, <laughs> you're supposed to use them to beat things. Like when you're angry and you're frustrated, you're supposed to be able to take this Dammit doll and hit things so that you get your frustrations out. And at the time, my son was kind of going through this thing where he was always, he was always mad and angry. And I thought, oh, well, this will be this will be therapeutic for him to have this, this damn it doll. So I ended up buying one for him and we still have it to this day. We've, we've never <laughs> used it. So he kind of worked, worked his issues out, which is a good thing, I suppose. All right. So uh, I've, I've finished buying my, my gift for my son and the hotel and the gift shop is the gift shop is attached obviously to the hotel, but the hotel is one of these uh, where it's got the huge hotel atrium and you have rooms that face this atrium. And I'd say there are probably about 10 stories to this hotel. So you, you walk out of this gift shop and all you see is just, you know, the, the height of the, of the hotel and the rooms around the atrium. And it's very open. It's very bright. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I, uh, well, I leave the gift shop and I'm about, I'd say 20 feet from the gift shop at this point. And I hear something fall behind me. And so I turn because it felt kind of close behind me. And I turn and I see, oh, somebody has knocked over a planter from one of the, the rooms that has the patios. And they, they've, you know, knocked over the planter and it has fallen on the ground. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, you know, I'm glad, glad that didn't hit me because I'm imagining at the velocity it probably could hurt me. Uh, so I turn around, see the planner on the ground. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll head to the to the front desk, which isn't which is probably another 20 feet in front of me, and I'll tell them, hey, somebody knocked a planner off. You're you're probably going to need to to clean it up. But as I turn around to walk back towards the front desk, there's a woman who's walking towards me, and I see this horrified look on her face, and I'm thinking, it's just planter. What's the deal? And she screams, oh, my God. And so I turn around. And at this point, there's not just the planter. There's actually, it's an eight-month-old child, a girl, who has fallen. And I have no idea how far she has fallen, but she has fallen. And she is on the ground. And this is marble floor. So, um... You never know how you're going to respond in a moment like that, obviously. 
But my response, because of the woman who had faced me and had that reaction, was, oh my God, we've got to help this child. And so uh, all I remember from that moment, from seeing her horrified face to turning around, is being there with the child. And I have no medical training. I don't know what the hell to do. All I know is this child has had a fall, and I have to keep her still. That is my, that is my role, is I have to keep her still. There's, at this point, besides the woman that I had seen, there's a man who helps in the, the rescue effort. And uh, the man has given CPR and administered emergency care before. And the woman turns out to have been a nurse. And so she was coaching him. I was holding this this girl's head. And, and you know, when you have moments like this, you remember vividly certain things. And one of the things that I vividly remember is this this girl. She was beautiful. She was absolutely beautiful. She had uh, dark brown curly hair, uh, a little bit longer than shoulder length. And she was wearing this white dress, but it had these uh, purple and violet and pink beautiful flowers on it. And it looked like she had probably been dressed up to go out to dinner because remember I had just come home from dinner after this long walk and her her and her family were probably about to go out for a, a, a beautiful meal together and so she was she was dressed up and um, I just remember thinking how beautiful she was and here she was and she was still and um, in hindsight one of the things that really struck me was there was never any blood and when I um, think about how far she had fallen, that's really surprising to me. Uh, but then you think about an eight-month-old is still going through the, the process of uh, going from cartilage to bone, and I think maybe she was able to absorb enough of the shock that maybe she was going to be okay. Maybe she would. So we're going through this, this process and we're just waiting forever and ever, it feels like, for ambulance or somebody to show up. And it's at this moment that I hear the scream. And it is one of those blood-curdling screams. And it's the mother. The mother has gotten off of an elevator and I can hear her coming. And she is screaming. And if you're a parent, which I am, you know that you know that feeling, you know the emotion of that feeling. So I hear her screaming and she's approaching and I have no idea what's happening around me. I'm just focused on holding, holding the girl's head still while the man is, is trying to do what he can. The, the nurse is trying to make assessments about whether her legs are able to move. Um, so I, I turn around and I finally see the mom. She is obviously I'm very distraught and she's still screaming and it's in that moment that I realize that the other role that I have is to create a connection so I say are you the mom please come here talk to your daughter be with her touch her hold her or don't hold her but be with her hold her hand say something to her and she won't and again as a mom myself I can't imagine not wanting to be right there with your child who's experienced 
unspeakable trauma. So I, and I keep trying, but she's just, she is screaming, she's on the ground, she is, there's, there's people around her that are trying to help her, but, you know, again, in, that, in those moments, you, you never know how you're going to react. So turn my attention back to the child. By the way, this feels like it's been an hour, but obviously 911 had been called. There was going to be an ambulance that shows up at some point. But for me, in those moments, it felt like it was a really long time. So I turn around again because I keep wanting to see if I can get the mom to come closer. And I see this man, and he's, he's looking over my shoulder, and he, he's, he's distraught, but he's composed. And I could tell he, he kind of wants to be involved, but he's, you know, I feel like he's respecting what we're doing. And, you know, we're nobodies. We're nobodies to this child. And I turn around, and I'm like, are you the dad? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, please, please. Hold your daughter's hand. Speak to her. Say something to her because in this moment, she needs to hear your voice. She needs to hear somebody that she knows and loves in this moment because just in case she comes out of this or just in case she doesn't, either way, make this connection in this very critical moment. And he does. And he's, he whispers things to her. And I don't understand him. He's speaking a foreign language to her. But he, had, he was perfectly well-spoken English speaker with me. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what language he was speaking to her. But he was, he was whispering to her and he was saying beautiful things. In my mind, I'm sure he was speaking beautiful things to her. And then finally the ambulance comes. And, you know, when you have been in that moment, you don't, you don't know what you're supposed to do. So the ambulance comes in, and I stand up, and I turn around, and they had gated off. The hotel had gated off the area. So I see this crowd of people that are around uh, the barriers, and I'm like, you people were watching this? What, what are you thinking? This is so, this was not, this was not a spectator sport. So I don't know what to do. The parents have been swept away with, with the, the girl as well. And so I just go up to my hotel room because I don't know what else, what else to do. And I had an outward-facing hotel room. And it was over where the ambulance was. And I, could, I, I walked into my hotel room, and I went and looked out the window. And I, again, one of these vivid memories, I look down, and I see the... I see the couple, the, the mother and father, and they're standing there. And part of me, part of me felt like, am I watching a Lifetime movie where something, you know, the, the mom, because of her reaction, I'm thinking, has she, you know, did she do this on purpose? And, you know, I would react so differently in this situation, and I wouldn't react like her. And maybe she did this on purpose and the dad seems like he was really, you know, into being there for the daughter, but she wasn't. And, you know, I'm just going through these terrible, terrible thoughts in my own because I just don't know what to do with my own emotions about having been in this situation. And then finally the ambulance leaves and, you know, I'm flying home the next day. I've been away from my child. And so I'm freaking out because uh, I want to know that my child is okay in that moment. So I call home. And I say, so, 
uh, at that moment in, in that year, I, I had been divorced a couple of years. And so it just so happened that uh, his father had had him for that weekend. And I, I called the dad and I said, look, I've just been through this really terrifying experience. And I'd really like to be able to see my son when I get when I get back. And so he agreed. And so we had lunch together and everybody knew except my son. So I'm trying to keep it together around my son and not doing a very good job. So I'm very emotional when I see my son and everybody around me knows uh, my mom and dad had been in town uh, that weekend and they all know and they're trying to console me and, and help me through this. And, you know, I feel it's like, you know, when everybody knows that there's really bad shit going down, but there's this one person who has no idea and they're just operating normally, it's it's a pretty uh, weird situation. So, you know, I was really happy, though, that I got to see him. And uh, I went to therapy <laughs> because I didn't know what to do with my, my emotions and my feelings about what had just happened. And I, I went to therapy and the therapist told me I really had no clue since this was not really a direct event that happened to somebody in my family or, or my friend circle that I had PTSD which was really mind-blowing to think that I could have had that from something that you know I could have I could have just kept walking down that lobby and been completely disengaged from from what happened uh, and I probably would have had I not seen that woman's reaction and her saying, oh, my God, and uh, turned around a second time. But um, the, the way I'd, I want to wrap up this story is my mom m could go head-to-head -head with any police detective because when I left that scene, I had no idea who this family was and was so paralyzed by my own reaction that I didn't know how to find who they were. I had I had done uh, a Google search to find out what had happened, but they never disclosed uh, her her name or the family name, so I really didn't know what to do. But my mom found out who this family was, and she reached out to them. And she reached out to them without asking my permission first, because <laughs> I had told her that I was just I was still paralyzed with my own response. But she reached out to them because she was so moved by, you know, it's her daughter's going through something that she doesn't know how to process. So I think for her, it was a way to help. Um, so she found them. She reached out to them and they responded. And uh, we've actually become friends. And the dad ended up writing a book about his experience of losing his daughter. And he he and I corresponded for, re for probably a, a very intense two to three month period where we would share snippets of what happened that night with each other. And he ended up using uh, what I had written to him as, as part of this, the book that he wrote as an eyewitness account of what happened to her. So the, the girl's name was Sahana and not only did the, the, the father uh, send me a book, the book that he had written, he sent me, they, they both, the, the mother and father, gave me this beautiful framed picture of Sahana, and it was an address very similar to the one that she had worn that night. Uh, 
And I guess the the thing that I've omitted is that when she was taken to the hospital, uh, she she did survive. She just had no brain function, and her brain was swelling. And so two days after the fall, the the mother and father made the God the gut wrenching decision to end all life support, and she she died two days after the fall. But in those two days, because they were traveling from Washington, D.C., they were able to get family to come down and say their farewells to Sahana. And, you know, in a sense, what we did was maybe extend her life in a way that those two days gave the family time to come in and grieve and say goodbye, their goodbye. And so as, as a, a gesture of gratitude, and they were always very grateful to me, they found out the 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 male who had assisted with the CPR and, and the recovery they found they were able to find him but they couldn't find the nurse um, so they had been in touch with everybody that was was close to that scene and uh, you know gave me this beautiful framed picture of Sahana and you know, they now they they actually had a hard time conceiving Sahana so when they finally decided that they were ready to have another child it took them a while but they have since had another child a, a daughter and I'm sure for them it was much more intense but she has you know she has survived which is kind of a weird thing to think okay well this child has made it this child has passed the eight-month mark but uh, they the beauty of this family is that in every family picture they always include a picture of of Sahana in in their family pictures because obviously she's never left them in spirit she's only left them you know, physically, and um, you know that's I guess that's a that's a good thing that you always remember the things that that are significant losses in your life, and you hope that um, you I don't know you just hope that you can you can come out of it with a, a new friendship, one that you never asked for, but that you have, and you know that you have this really really intense connection to people through the worst of circumstances for those people and that you hope that your response isn't to run away but that you you try to go help and I think those are the lessons that I've learned from this story which you know this is the four-year anniversary of Sahana's passing and every year I try to do something to remember her by and to me this was you know I love this podcast and so I thought maybe the time is right for me to tell the story because I've never told it in full to anybody other than the, the dad and my therapist. <laughs> so and Wow, we're the, we're the first, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing. I mean, I know that was obviously tough for you, especially, I mean, if the therapist says, you know, you have PTSD from it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can only imagine, like, I... <clears throat> You know, you, you said, like, if anything, it's weird how tragedies can bring people together in two ways. It's going to go really bad or it's going to go, you know, surprisingly well, mm-hmm. you know, like in this circumstance. And, uh, you know, that I, I think that's crazy that you guys have, like, a relationship. You know, you were thrown into each other's lives mm-hmm. under this the worst possible scenario, uh, yet, I don't know, it's just, it's it's... It's super strange. It's uh, 
life is weird, you know? It does weird stuff to you. And man, I, I, I can't help but feel horrible for these people who lost their little girl like that. I mean, that's the that's so bad. Yeah. So bad, man. I mean it's uh, I can only imagine how tough and, that's gonna be. And them. actually, um for the benefit of, of the listeners, because I never wanted to ask what happened mm. on that patio ledge, but I imagine your listeners in particular. It is a question I was going to ask. <laughs> um, a, there was, at the same time, there was a, a ball dancing competition happening. Ball dancing? A ball dancing. What is that? Uh, oh, you mean like, like a ballerina the, ball? The fancy. Okay. I know, thought, the, I, I, in my head, I pictured people with like basketballs oh. dancing around them. <laughs> no. <laughs> like the, the mamba and the Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, all gotcha, that. gotcha, gotcha. And so on the second floor there was an open hallway area and the the mom described the scene to me this way because I I'd never asked and I would only let her offer it if she wanted mm. to, but apparently Sahana got so excited because she was seeing the dancers practice in the hallway of that second floor that you could see from uh from their, their hotel room. She got so excited about seeing the dancers that she, you know, like just flailed and the mom lost control. So it's, you know, it's random upon random upon random. In so she story. was holding the child like back up against the railing, I imagine. Mm-hmm. The child started to flail and she dropped the child. Yeah, and I, I I'm, know, yeah, see, I know. I, I mean, know. I know your friends. I, I don't want to say anything, know. you know, but You're to not me, thinking anything I didn't think. Okay. I mean, it's just like, you don't, you hold on for dear life. I mean, there's, I've heard stories of mothers lifting up cars to save their children. You know what I mean? Like that blows my mind that a, that a, that a eight month old little girl struggled so hard that she failed, that you couldn't hold on. I don't know, yeah. man. That weird. You run away from the railing. You turn your body 90 degrees. Yeah. I don't, I, know, I don't, man. I don't it's, it's, that's weird. Uh, I, uh, that's weird. I, I don't listen. I'm not gonna. I know you're friends with them. I'm not gonna say anything. Uh, of course. I mean, you're obviously thinking it. We're both thinking it. That's weird. Get yeah. your mom on the case. She's obviously yeah, a great detective. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you mentioned something that in those moments, you know, time stops and it does. And that's something we've also often said before on the show is like, you don't know what you're going to do in that, in those moments. And you, you know, you, you have no idea right. until that moment happens to you, you know, and time does stop. It, it, it just seems like everything's moves slower. And you described it so well that you remember certain pieces of stuff. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like your brain's taking Polaroids cause you, you're running through all this, stuff all this math in your head like what do i do you know and mm-hmm. it and that's your fight or flight i think that kicks in you know i mean you you lose your i don't know hey you know what i'm sorry i have to go back to this back to the mom thing <laughs> yeah she came down the elevator you don't take the stairs you don't run down the stairs you push the button you wait five minutes for the elevator i don't know blowing my mind well maybe yeah i know i, I don't, don't know. know what floor they were on i don't like it yeah I'm on the case. Are you? I'm not. Okay. I'm, no. I'm not. Um, but back to that, uh, the time stops thing. It's so surreal. And then when you think about it later, like for me anyway, see, I think that like in your case, see, when something tra- traumatic happens to me, I just forget about it. Honestly, mm-hmm. I put it away in a vault. And some people can do that. Yeah. yeah. It just leaves my head. But some people can't do that. You can't do that. Yeah. You know, like it seriously traumatic. I think you probably forced yourself to relive that moment. In that moment, you were forced because you're a mom and you're like, right. what if that was my child? Exactly. And you're, for you know, 
Like, and so there, there's like, you know, a couple people, people in the world do that and, and are, are, you know, a couple different styles. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, uh of, of reaction to that. And I've always just been like, I'm going to forget about it. This may haunt yeah. me in the future. Oh man, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Everything may come flying back in. Um, but, yeah. uh, how are you doing now? I mean, four years ago, this wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't. Uh, I would say the first two years were brutal. The first anniversary was really, really bad. And because because I'm I'm a huge fan of comedy, mm-hmm. and I go to a ton of comedy shows. I listen to, to podcasts. Those first two years, you know, every once in a while, there's a comic who makes a joke about throwing a kid or throwing you know somebody out of a window. Mm-hmm. I I just had such a hard time dealing with those kinds of jokes and mm-hmm. you know luckily it doesn't happen too often uh and i'm not saying that i can handle it now but i just remember being like oh but i've actually lived through that experience and mm-hmm. there's no comedy there at all yeah. for anybody um and those first and actually just really is particularly intense in those first couple of years where you're like I could lose my child at any moment. So be grateful for those moments. Be grateful when he's being a little shit to you and mm. you just want to throttle your son? him. He's 11 now. Ugh. Yeah, he's and he doesn't know the story. Troublemaker, right? <laughs> he is a trouble. No, he's a good kid actually. Okay. But, you know, in those He doesn't know the story. He doesn't know the story. Yeah. I had her picture up uh in my room and he asked and I said, Oh, she's, she's the daughter of a friend of mine. And he, you know, he let that go. Um, but I've, I've never told him the story, but as it turns out, they live in Washington DC and we're taking a vacation to DC next month. And I'm trying to coordinate schedules so that we can, we can see them. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't think about the fact that I might have to explain why we know them, but I probably can get away with not explaining yeah. that. They're family maybe. friend. Yeah. Kids don't need to know things. Right. It's none of their right. business. Yeah. You just lie to them. <laughs> the kids are so easy to lie to. They are. And then just misdirect. Yeah. You want a dollar? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and another thing, too, that we don't see in the story, when we see the... Um, the the or the child i mean obviously the loss of the child is, is the most traumatic thing for this family but there's a huge aftermath after that i mean do you think i mean listen the dad's gonna blame the mom you know i mean i would I, i'm yeah. just looking at it from my perspective i would say what do you mean you couldn't hold like mm-hmm. i would leave my wife i couldn't yeah. live with my wife anymore yeah i love my wife she's the best she kills my kid we're out we're done yeah you know it's over yeah. like i mean that's just facts and and there are, I couldn't the, forgive. For there are like studies, that. and there there is data that suggests, not suggests, that says parents who have lost a child often divorce because mm. you. I mean, how do you fight those feelings? Yeah, I mean, you have to stare at the person that accidentally killed your child yeah. every single day, and then you have to say "I love you," then you have mm-hmm. to sleep with them. Yeah. No, no way, yeah. man. You know, I, I mean, that's just me. I may, I may be an unforgiving type of person, but, uh, man. But he wrote a book. He wrote a book. What is the book called? Oh, I should know that. Uh, I think it's Sahana Smiles, and then there's a, you know, the, a dad's story of loss. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I guess that's a way of coping. 
I don't yeah, know. I he, wouldn't want to relive it. I wouldn't want to tell anybody. But again, you know, I'm a different type of person than a lot of people. A lot of people like to talk their feelings out. I silently sit in a room <laughs> and tell nobody anything. Yeah, and in that moment in that atrium, I, you know, my observation because you know my job was hold her head still, hold her head still, create, try to create the connection. Is obviously the mother and the father had completely different reactions. And how do you reconcile those two reactions? You know, he wants to be involved. He wants to process and deal with it. She doesn't at all. And I mean, you know, you, I, I know that she lives with a lot of guilt and it's been hard for her to to deal with that guilt. And yeah, as an analytical person, you do think, well, there's this fact pattern, this fact pattern, this fact pattern. Oh, she did it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because I've known them now for four years, yeah. uh, I have to, I have to let go of that. Well, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, and you know, you know what I mean. What it, In reality, yeah. yeah, it's 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 already happened. I mean, yeah. Regardless of the facts, the tragedy remains the same. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. So. Right. Uh, Donna, <laughs> you got any questions? No. Okay. Have you ever had a kid? <laughs> Do you want to have a year question. old? Yes. <laughs> How much? We'll put that kid to work. Start spinning them knobs, kid. Uh, listen, I know this was uh, tough for you to tell, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about it. Um, I hope it was, you know, we found with some people coming in here and talking was almost a little cathartic. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. maybe get that from it. Um that's uh, a life-changing experience, and you know, sucks for everybody involved in that mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. So, but yeah, thank you for letting me share it. Like I said, oh, this is kind of the time period where I'm really reflective about mm-hmm. it, and I've mm-hmm. loved your podcast since yeah. it came thank out. Thank you so and, much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. It means a lot. Uh, more people need to download it. We're going yeah. broke. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Mm-hmm. Uh, super nice to meet you, and I uh, hope you have a good day, Donna. How can people how can people share stories with us like like she did? How is it possible? Yeah, see that? That's what happens. She's the, that was a wave off she's for the, those of you she's, not it was a wave off. She waved me off. Guys, if you have a story of yourself you guys uh uh you know, you guys want to share, just email us at fearthepodcast at gmail.com. That is fearthepodcast at gmail.com. We'll get you on the show. Uh thanks again for coming on. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.